On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got to chat with Liz Long from Learn to Make a Product. We had an awesome conversation all about where to go, what kind of factories to look for, all the things to think about before you actually launch a product. This is going to be great for you guys who are you know, doing eight figures plus, and also some of you new sellers who are listening to this podcast as well. You guys will not want to miss this one. Hey guys, before we begin, I want to talk to you about how to grow your e-commerce brand in a post iOS 14.5 world. If you're doing over seven figures in D to C, you need to hear this. Back when Facebook ads were absolutely crushing it and driving massive amounts of revenue, setting up basic flows and sending out occasional email campaigns used to cut it, SMS marketing included. You'd see it constantly and so would we when we were looking at accounts at Mindful Marketing. Brands earning 20 to 45% of their total revenue with email marketing with maybe three to four hours of work a month and that's because they just set up some basic flows and then silence but now that the facebook algorithm has stopped spitting out such ridiculous returns where do we go retention but it requires marketers to go deeper than simple templated flows and copy and pasted campaigns which we've seen all the time it requires actually having a system that increases the ltv of your customers and then actually realizing that entire customer lifetime value in a shorter period of time and hopefully even seeing a higher LTV. We're saddened to see brands do all the same things with their emails and SMS, and we're sick of auditing agency accounts who simply set up welcome flows and show off how many sales they make. Anyone can set up a welcome flow, abandoned cart flow, etc. That is the simple stuff, guys. The real key in retention marketing is digging deep into your market, copy, offer, your creative, and then pairing that with a strategy that turns one-time buyers into two-time buyers, into three-time buyers, and on and on, just like we've seen at our brands. So if you want to find out exactly how deep our retention marketing strategy goes, book a quick wins call with our team and we will show you exactly how we drive more repeat sales for our clients and hopefully how you can too. Go to mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins. That's mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins, all one word. Now on to today's episode. When you look at your Google Analytics account, how much of your traffic is direct? How about organic? Is it 10%, 20%, 50% or more? Honestly, for our brands, it's probably closer to 60%. And we all know that those aren't actual real attribution channels, and yet they get all of this credit. At some point in the past, your customer saw an ad, or they tried your product on with a friend, or maybe they read about it online. The problem, your analytics platform operates in a vacuum, and it can't track some of those high-value behaviors that are actually leading to purchases. Enter No Commerce, the platform that hundreds of top-tier brands like Pura Vida, Olipop, and Kizik rely on to better understand how their customers are finding them. No Commerce allows you to deploy surveys to your confirmation screen in minutes, helping you answer critical questions like, but not limited to, how did you first hear about us? What brought you to our site today? And how long did you know about us before making your first purchase. I love that one. That is an absolute gold mine of information, that question right there. Combined, these questions give you a further picture of attribution that includes all of those hard to track channels like word of mouth while cutting through all that direct traffic noise. With average response rates above 50%, and I got to say for ours, it's more like 75%, and pre-built templates that can be deployed in literally minutes, you'll be collecting this incredible insight in absolutely no time. Like I've said, with our brands, this has been a game changer. This has helped me make decisions on a massive scale that I normally wouldn't be able to make with just click 
based attribution tracking. It's incredible. Are you ready to boost your attribution? If so, go get the free plan over at nocommerce.com. That's K-N-O commerce.com and please tell them that Jordan sent you. Now on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back here with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. I am very excited today to have Liz Long here from Learn to Make a Product. Liz, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yes, yes. It's great. We already started talking. I was asking all sorts of questions and I realized like, oh man, I want other people to really learn what you're doing because it sounds amazing. So for people who know nothing about you and nothing about learn to make a product, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. So our platform is exactly as it sounds. We are teaching people who have a product idea, a product line they want to bring into the world how to do that. So how to design it, how to manufacture it, how to package it, test it, import it, all of the things that go into getting a physical sellable item. Awesome. Awesome. Now, is this mostly for like overseas manufacturing? Does this, is this relevant for people who want to potentially onshore? Because I know that's, you know, going to in the next 10 years, really, I believe is going to be the future is people bring everything back over here, especially with all these supply chain issues. Is this, you know, a certain area uh, that you're in or is this just generalities? So we're about 50-50 overseas and US. I have always had a great love for US factories. I have wonderful relationships with a lot of them. And one of the best parts, if you could say that, about the pandemic was that we had a lot of people bringing stuff back and it was really fun to make those connections. Yes, yes, absolutely. So walk me through your process because I, you know, we've developed it at the brands that we own. We've developed a lot of products over the years and and we've got our process and I'm sure it's it's literally just been stabbing in the dark. Like I, I can imagine I would have saved so much time um, working with somebody like you. Can you walk me through the process of where you start when a brand comes to you with an idea? Yeah. So normally we'll figure out what kind of design assets do they need, right? If you're making a sewn item, I don't want to get too into the woods technically, but you need patterns or you need molds if you're making another product. So we'll figure out how do they get those things? Then how do they find a factory who will produce the item? We go through all the vetting and that process so that they're pairing with the right factory. Can you walk me through, sorry, Liz, and if you've ever listened to this podcast, you know, I interrupt people all the time. Go for it. Oh, I want to make sure we get that. What are you looking for? Is there like a checklist of things you're looking for when you're vetting a factory? Because we've all gone on Alibaba, right? Like we actually happened to find one of for one of our apparel brands. We found our fabric manufacturer on Alibaba. We ended up, you know, going to them first. Prices were fine. I don't know as far as we could tell. And then we moved to another one. And we had no clue like what exactly we were looking for. Do you have like a checklist of, of things that you're really looking for? We do. We have a pretty long checklist, like a 15 or 20 point checklist that if you go through it, you will eliminate a lot of the problems. But one of the misconceptions about Alibaba is it's just like junk suppliers. There's tons of great ones. When we're working overseas, right, part of the vetting process, depending on the size of your purchase order, if you're putting like a lot down, we will send someone on the ground to the factory who audits factories, right? This is what they know what to look for. They'll give you a report. That can be a couple hundred bucks and give you a ton of peace of mind, right? And so even with places who we've worked with in the past, we'll still often audit and just keep that like we're we're not taking anything for granted, right? We're going to be thorough and diligent with every factory from from the beginning. Um, It can prevent a lot of problems. Oh, I totally believe that. Any examples of things to look out for when you're potentially vetting a factory or when you're looking into one and say you're finding them on Alibaba, anything really like red flag that you're looking out for? Well, you need to be aware of intermediaries, right? Who are posing as factories. That's probably the biggest issue in a place like Alibaba. So if they have like trading company in their name or some sort of agent, you just need to know that you're not working directly with the factory. So one of the questions we'll ask up front is, hey, can I send my 
inspector to your facility, right? And if they kind of push back on that, it's, you know, that they don't have direct access, you're not there. And there's, there's other things that we'll ask, but that's one of the main ones. You also can check, you know, is their email address? Does it match their domain name? Is the invoice that they're sending you? There's just things we want to check with like the name that everything is the same across the board. And what's the worry with that, with working with a, with a trading company? Well, as long as the trading company, sometimes they'll kind of position themselves as the factory, but the factory doesn't even know that they're putting those orders through. So that's problem number one, right? They're just sending the order to the factory, right? Problem number two is that as you grow, you need quality control access to your factory. Production is like half preparation, half quality control to do it right. And so if you don't have direct contact to solve problems and you're going through an intermediary, that's a huge issue, right? We don't want that to happen. So I really prefer direct access. And if you are going through an intermediary, they better be delivering great value, right? They better be solving that language barrier, doing their own quality control with reports, you know, bringing the value up front and a very clear markup on the cost per unit. You know, nothing opaque, like they should be telling you I'm putting 20% on each item and and you know what you're getting for that 20%. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Liz. I appreciate you walking me through like the steps there. So what next after starting to look into factory? Yeah. So then we, we vet them, we plan for your quality control, and then we plan for your importing, which is, you know, a kind of like a fun administrative process. People who have any product testing, we will do that around that phase if you have children's products or things like that. And then we start to get prepped for the fun stuff, right? Like the website building, the photography, the brand building, which is for me, that's always the finish line. You know, we've gotten like our vegetables out of the way and we can start doing the creative stuff. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Can you walk me through what what that process looks like? At what point are you happy enough to move on to that phase? So once your production is underway, like we've greenlit production, we've put a deposit down, we have our quality control plan in place. Usually then we'll start doing the basics of the brand building. And normally people won't plunk down. I mean, it depends everyone's risk level. But if you're risk averse, you usually won't plunk down a ton of money until you actually do that quality control inspection and really know everything is going to be okay and happening in time. Other people who are just like, I'm going for it, you know, they'll start much earlier in the process. Liz, you've, you've been at this for a while. What's one of the biggest mistakes that, that you've made over the years that you can help our audience not make um, when it comes to product development? Mm, there's there's a lot. I would say people, it actually happens later on in the process. Well, there's a few, but I think people underestimate photography. You're probably very aware of this in your industry and niche, right? You have to have great photos and they will either just DIY them not well enough or they'll pay a photographer who's charging them a decent amount of money and just think, oh, you know, great, off out of my hands. I don't have to worry about it. And there's so many little things that can go wrong and e-commerce sales, especially are they, they're dependent on that. And so I'm thinking of an example just last week, you know, someone did a photo shoot and they clearly did not use our photo shoot checklist because it came back and the model was wearing these like horrible sneakers, like everything else about the photo was great, you know, but they were such an eyesore and it's such a shame because that person had paid thousands of dollars. And so it's, it's that stage where people can, you know, they've come so far and then they just can't take it to the finish line. Absolutely. Photography, it's interesting. It's one of those things that I still don't take off the high level people in e-commerce commerce company's plate because it's that important, right? Unless you have somebody who's in completely in charge of your photo shoots, it that's one of those things that really needs to run through quality control because this is showing off your product. I would say video is very similar.
similar to that, especially in- Yeah, and video the same. And you almost can't outsource it fully because like we'll have things where the label, like the photographer, again, does beautiful shoots, but like the label is upside down because they just don't know, oh, that's that person's logo. It's like, it's little dumb stuff. And so it's just like the vetting where you want to be really thorough. You want to plan everything out in advance, every last detail. Yes, yes, absolutely. Let's go back to costing stuff out. I want to talk a little bit about about costing. When you're actually looking into these different factories uh, and you're working with companies, are you already starting, like which side are you starting on? Are you starting on the costing side or are you starting on where you want to be selling your product and as far as like a price point is concerned? It depends. Some people come in, you know, with a hard number because they have a competitor they're trying to get to. Other people are like, I'm not sure what to charge for this thing. You know, it's like a new kind of invention. And so we'll delay that decision until we go out and get really thorough quotes. Something that's kind of interesting that people will do about around cost and pricing is they will start out in the US, right? To get lower yeah. minimums. Let's say they want to make like 50 or 100 pieces of something to test it. But we'll get quotes from overseas right in the beginning because they eventually know they want to be lower cost overseas. And we'll set their pricing based on that phase two overseas production, right? Yeah. So they're kind of breaking even in the US, but it's a strategy for them. They don't have to put a ton down on their purchase order. They know they can bring bring the cost down eventually. So their whole goal is to get traction and test the market versus make money on that first order. And I think that's totally okay. Yeah. 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 That, that makes a lot of sense. So at what point then do people back? So I, so just a, a little bit of background for, you know, anyone who's just new listening to this podcast and hasn't listened to the previous 300 episodes, the two sort of main e-com businesses that we have, one is offshore. Um, that's where we bring all of our products in. And one of them, we're all made in Canada, right? Besides our fabric, our fabric, we, we import over. We've really stuck to making in Canada. We love making in Canada. At what point do you tell brands like, Hey, I think it's time to bring things back on shore. Usually they should kind of know that in the beginning, right? If you do your research well, you'll go out and find a factory in the US. And just because you're starting with a couple hundred units doesn't mean you can't price out and look at future pricing scenarios. Like, okay, I know if I'm staying with this factory and I'm making things in like 5,000 units at a time, 10,000 units, and you know what that cost is, and you've done your research overseas, you'll understand all of the scenarios. You know, when I when my scale gets to this point, I'll be making this much money. And so you, you have a bit of a clearer plan up front if you take the time to do all of that pricing research. Awesome. Liz, if you could look into the crystal ball for 2022, 2023, do you think we're ever going to see shipping rates come back down to what the normal I hope was? So. I don't know. And I hope so because I've had some sad stories of people who kind of started launching, right? And then I'm thinking of someone who needed these huge foam inserts, right? So like a, a big volume. Yeah. And it's now like just incredible amount of money to ship it. And I don't, I don't know. I am again seeing more US production as a result of the ship. Absolutely. Yeah. It's something, I mean, I think our recent shipment was about 4X what our last one was as far as cost is concerned. It's just crazy. Do you know Flexport? You know, there are there are people really working on these challenges. Shipping is like this unsexy industry that just feels really ripe for some innovation, like the Uber of, you know, oh, container right. shipping. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really hope so. Liz, I got to ask you the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? 
when people, you know, given that you have a product that people want at the right price, right? Like set that aside. That's that's number one. It's people who can infuse that unique brand identity into everywhere you greet their product, right? Like if you meet an interesting person in the world, that's like a memorable character, their essence. It's the same with brands, right? You encounter them and they have that intangible thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's people who can bottle that. They will scale and they either bottle it themselves or they hire experts who can really, you know, copywriters, whoever, who can take that unique identity and and put it into actual tangible assets. If you don't have that, or if you're inconsistent, right? Let's say you work with an ad agency who doesn't get your bottled brand identity and puts kind of incongruent content out in the world. That's where we get a lot of noise and and you won't scale. So people who can have that unique identity and do it will make it. Mm, That's great. Oh, I love that answer so much, Liz. That unique brand is really who you are uh, out in the world, right? It's sometimes hard to even describe because it's like a personality, right? It's, It's all these things, it's like, you know it when you see it. And after doing this for so long, the people I've seen really succeed, they do that well. Some of them are more polished, some of them are less polished, but they have that thing. Well, And also the polished and and unpolished is also probably part of that brand identity. It's part, exactly, exactly. Oh, that's great, Liz. Liz, any other, uh, I've got three more questions for you, but before that, any other wisdom or advice that you'd give to people looking to go in and develop a product or maybe redevelop a product? Maybe they're stuck, right? They're at, you know, mid seven figures and they're just like, what do I do next? What sort of big advice would you give them? Well, I think getting outside eyes, right? Someone who has done this for a long time and isn't in a niche. Oftentimes people will go for advice when they're stuck to someone who's just in a very specific like they'll go to a digital agency who right who's like in their funnel and it can be helpful you know i think something we do well is we have that big picture look on yeah. things and so even just like a half hour conversation can really help people move forward and just see the things that they're not seeing already oh, i love that i love that i'm such a huge fan of going to outside experts that see things differently i have never once said oh man that coaching was a waste of money or a waste of time it's like always <laughs> always. It always helps. And to be clear, I'm not suggesting going and spending like thousands, thousands of dollars necessarily. Like literally one 30 or 60 minute conversation, if, if you do it intentionally and you have the right questions can be really powerful. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Three more questions for you. First question, favorite tool or app that you're using right now? That's very easy for me to answer. I use Loom every day, all day. Yeah, that's mine. Awesome. That's great. Just a, a quick aside, uh, we were doing some employee reviews in one of our companies. And one of the action items for every single employee was in your area of, of expertise, make Loom videos for the rest of the staff. Just constant. Every time you think of a new idea, just make a video about it. And we're going to put it in this certain area. And because it's just so helpful comparatively to a Google Doc or something where you're like... Or like getting on the phone. You know, it's like quick, done. Oh, totally, totally. I'll, somebody will try and book a meeting yeah. with me uh, to ask me a question or like a specific thing. And I'm like, oh, just ask me the question. I'll send you a video. Like it's it'll save so yes. much. Not that I don't want to have conversations. I love, this is like... Yeah, but it's like, let's, let's save it. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Second question for you. Favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? I love the All In podcast. It's my favorite. Oh, All In. Uh, tell me about that one. It's like Jason Calacanis. It's a bunch of venture capital guys, but they talk about tech and politics and culture. I, I love cool, it. Cool. Cool. Awesome. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes. One more question for you. If you could sit down with anybody, they have to be alive. You're going to get an hour with them. You can have coffee, tea, beer, wine, whatever you want, maybe a snack. Who would it be? I'm going to go with Elon. I, I find him a fascinating character. What, what would you ask Elon? I wouldn't even ask him. I, I would just enjoy his company. I, you know, I think you get to a stage in your career where you 
just want to like take in interesting people, or at least that's where I am. So I know agenda, I would just like take in the uniqueness that is him. <laughs> that's great, Liz. I know that <laughs> feeling too, where you're like, I don't want anything out of you. I just want to... No, I just want to like, just laugh and re- yeah. <laughs> I hope people get that from listening to this podcast as well. <laughs> I'm just genuinely interested to talk to people and I'm not trying to, yeah. you know, get something yeah. out of it for us. It's just like, this is just awesome and fun. Liz, so great to have you on the podcast. Where can people find out more about you and potentially work? Sure. Well, you can go to learntomakeaproduct.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Liz R. Long. And yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Liz, thank you so much for your time today. Of course. Thank you. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.